everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters, a podcast that focuses on the intersection of spirituality and humanity. Now let's settle in to find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. The title of today's podcast is When Time is All That Is Left, Five Ways to Live in Gratitude. This podcast is inspired by my blog post for this week that you can find at RevCarla.com. Now, I have spent a fair share of time in assisted living and nursing homes. And part of that is because of my family experiences. And some of it has been just holding space for people that I care for, but also in my position as a minister, as my calling as a minister, I have done that, which led me to also do some study with uh, end of life training. And I've talked a little bit about this in in the past, about how the death of my aunt and my grandmothers impacted me so greatly that I wanted to understand the parts of me that needed to explore grief and dying a little bit more because I thought if I understood it, then I can also help people. And it is something that I am honored to do when I help people walk their loved ones home. So you probably have as well at some point in your life, depending on your age, if not, you will spend time with aging parents, uh, loved ones or something like that. And I've got to say, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too far, but some of what you find in, in these assisted living centers are very disturbing. There is a level of abuse. There is a level of neglect. And I have reported it in the past. It's not like I turn a, a blind eye to it, but some of it just comes from the quality of people that sometime is allowed to be in these places that they shouldn't even be allowed to touch human beings or anything alive. And I include plants in that because they're just not caring people. But I have also tried to be a, a little bit more of a, a part of the solution there. Like I said, not just entering management's office with a an accusatory tone, but trying to understand the problems that exist right now with people trying to find quality quality people and the top down pressure that that uh, managers are are receiving. I'm not making any excuses for what's happening, but it is a sad state of affairs and it's it's a system that definitely needs to be overhauled. And I hope someday it will. So I was, I had been walking a friend home who died in um, a, couple, a few months ago, and I was coming through the front door of her assisted living facility when there was a woman sitting there at the front door. I mean, you really couldn't miss her. She, she had positioned her wheelchair. So when you open the double doors, even with the double doors and the expansiveness of that space, you had to maneuver around her. She wanted to be seen and you learn quite quickly that to accommodate this, that this is their home. You're coming in as a visitor. We have no right to be inconvenienced or be offended by anything that we're seeing. Our job, even as visitors, when we're going into these places is to meet them where they are and try to understand their needs as much as possible. And if more visitors took that uh, mentality on there would be a level of kindness and awareness that that could come along with these uh, the presence of being being involved in the care of your loved ones and by proximity that impacts those who live there as well. 
So she was placed there for a reason and no one seemed to mind. We were all just moving around her as I did. So I went to the desk and I filled out my time as you're required to do. And as I turned around, she looked up at me and I smiled at her and she smiled back and I said, you look so pretty today. And she said, why, thank you. I thought this shirt would be nice. Now, when you, you remember the big the sweatshirts and you'd have the applique flowers. If you're not from the Midwest, I don't know how these went off in some place like LA, probably not. But in good old the Midwest and here in Indiana, they were a big deal. So you'd have this, usually a sweatshirt in a deep, rich color, and then a big applique flower or some kind of, of scenery, garden scenery or something. And so it was, it was dated, but it wasn't worn. It was very pretty. It looked like it had been well taken care of. And she had it on and she was so proud of it. And she said, thank you. I thought this would be a nice thing to wear today. And it occurred to me that it was a Mother's Day weekend and that she was waiting for her loved ones to pick her up. So in her lap, she held this three-tiered serving dish, and it also looked dated, but it looked well cared for. It had no chips in it or anything, and she you could tell she knew that this was a fragile dish. She held it, had a death grip on it, holding it at its stem and pushing it up against her belly so that nothing could happen to it. And um, she said, thank you, I bought it with my bingo money for my daughter-in-law. And I sure hope she likes it. And now we're going to get into a conversation. She obviously is anxious about her, her son picking her up and she wanted to talk. So my friend was just going to have to wait a few minutes longer while I was going to have a, a lovely conversation with this woman. So I asked her to tell me about how the bingo money worked. And she said, well, they get bingo bucks when they win at bingo. And then the girl, she called her the girl, opens the store and we get to buy things. And it was obvious that this had was a, was a used item. And I can only imagine that the budget for these kinds of gifts are probably not existence. There's a really good chance that whoever is doing this bingo is a volunteer who's using her own money to go and get these. So how, what a lovely show of compassion and kindness for the people there. And she just lit up as she told me this story and she was just sure her daughter-in-law was going to love it. And I thought about the fact that she she had no way to wrap it. She had no way to actually carry it safely, just other than the way she was carrying it. And she made a comment about, well, I bought it, but there's no, Lord knows I don't need to use it because that's kind of like a train thing. It's obvious that they don't have kitchens in their rooms. No one was going to expect her to use it. But some memory of, of her life and that her past would have told her that that would have been a lovely thing for her to put out during the holidays and stuff and stuff like that. So she was sharing with me her joy for the love that she was going to give her daughter-in-law, but also the anticipation of being able to spend time with her loved ones. So I said, happy Mother's Day to her. And I set, went down the hall to see my friend. And it was a day that was bad for my friend. She did not want me to stay long. So I was only there about 30 minutes. And she asked me to leave because she was in pain. And when I got back up to the door, there was the woman still sitting there. And I would say she had a little bit more of an anxious look on her face, a little worried. But then I also remembered that it's very common 
in, in these spaces when time is all you have that you show up really early because probably for the past few days, she had been anticipating this moment. She had been anticipating the time when her daughter, her son was going to pick her up or her daughter-in-law. And I remember that with my own family members. If I showed up 30 minutes early, I was late. And so I offered grace to her family that I didn't know because I had a feeling that that's exactly what, what happened. And I visit, I continued to visit my friend until she died. And I never saw that woman again. And because of course, HIPAA doesn't allow us to ask about other patients. I can only assume, and I want to believe that she had a lovely mother's day experience. And I'm sure her daughter-in-law loved the gift, but I just couldn't let this story go. I knew there was something here that was it asking for light. And so it showed up as a writing here. And, um, and so I shared it. And then of course, I want to share something about it here on this podcast. So what this came up for me, and I know this, this concept can be triggering for those of us who are deconstructing and healing from religious trauma, especially a high controlled religion that taught us something different about gratitude. Like we always needed to be grateful no matter what was going on in our lives, because that was an offense to God. But what this moment was with this woman was gratitude. And I needed to pause for a moment and understand why I was feeling gratitude for this. And it was the fact that that's exactly what she was reflecting back in her life for her, for her loved ones. And I had the opportunity to witness it and then receive that wisdom and see how, what it meant for me. And there's an element of sadness that goes along with this because there's no denying that people who come into these facilities are at their final destination before they die. Now, sure, there are some people who are coming in for rehab, but the vast majority of them, this will be their final home. And yet she was able to still find pockets of living there. And her family was participating in that with her, creating space where she could still have joy. So it's a, it's a blend of how we encapsulate our lives and our lived experiences to sit with gratitude at the moment that she has loved ones that she will be able to spend that day with. And also the sadness at, at the impermanence of life. And here's the important thing about people say, oh, this is so sad. I don't want to think about it. But here's the importance because every one of us is holding some element of grief and sadness in our being. And we were often taught, again, high controlled religion, these indoctrinated beliefs that, oh, don't be sad because they're going on to the glory of God. But again, that denies our human experiences where we are being in invited to acknowledge the fact that we are hurting for those who we loved and then we lost. So when we deny that, even experts will tell you that that is a form of emotional suppression. So sitting with this moment of watching this woman who's in her final days or her final sunset, whatever word you want to give, and seeing that that has wisdom for my life is a way for me to just visit with grief for a minute and say, how much I would love to have one more day with one of my grandmothers or my aunt, or how much, how important it is to me that I have, I'm present enough in my life to know that these moments are fleeting. It was a year ago, a little over a year ago that my, my mother-in-law died and she had been in a assistant living and to know that there is no more can often be overwhelming. 
that those times together are, are gone. So it's, it's emotional suppression. And when we have, we're holding on to those indoctrinated beliefs that tell us to suppress those emotions, because all we should be focusing on is our salvation, then that is a form of spiritual manipulation or abuse, because it's demanding that we silence that sadness and overshadow it or suffocate it with this fake sense of joy. And both can exist. But in in this, in some of our indoctrination, we were taught that it wasn't. In order for us to be the joy-filled Christian, we had to obey the teaching that said, just focus on God. And oh, they're with Jesus. They're up there dancing. I should not be sad. Well, of course you're sad. You've lost a part of you. That's part of this lived experience. It also can prolong this healing process that we have that happens as we ebb and flow through grief. Now, there is a teaching from uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross that talks about the five stages of grief, but a lot of people have disputed that that's even a valid way to look at it as if you walk these five stages and it's over when really you kind of just ebb and flow through them forever. You can have a profound experience that spirals you back 15 years ago to a loss. So it's important that we acknowledge grief when it arrives and still can hold on to that in, in to the moment of now where we are. So this can have a, a profound impact on our mental health. It can impair our coping mechanisms with dealing with the other things in our, our lives. If we try to become masters at denying our, our sorrow or our grief or the fact that sometimes life hurts, then that plays over into other things in our lives. So then we can almost become disconnected from the very things that are happening in our life. Because if, Ooh, if that's too hot, if that's too painful, well, then I'm not going there. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to experience it as fully as I can, because then I reserve places of my heart that I won't let people in. And I won't love as deeply as I, as I can, because it'll hurt someday. So it limits how we show up in, in places of our lives. So now you might be thinking, how did all of this come out of a story about an old woman waiting for her son? And how, what does this have to do with gratitude and loss and dealing with, dealing with grief? But I want you to consider what gratitude means through our spirituality, not what we were taught about gratitude, which was when to say thank you and you should be grateful don't talk, don't be depressed. Don't as if you can just turn it off as if it's it switched. Don't you know everything that God gave you? This is a sin. And I've had people tell me that they've been told that their depression is a sin because they're just not able to express gratitude. But millions of us have been taught this and we have been, we've experienced this toxic positivity and that in its turn has um, impacted us, impacted us greatly because you know, we're supposed to have this overabundance of joy that becomes toxic gratitude. And it's one of the many reasons that people kind of just crawl through their life and don't really have positive emotions because they're overwhelmed by anxiety and depression. And, and they're getting these confusing messages about and teachings about what gratitude is. 
And sure, there's there's teaching children about what gratitude is when you're given a gift and you say thank you, or you say you're sorry if you've hurt somebody's feelings. We're helping children understand that another person is hurt by your actions or another person expects some kind of acknowledgement of a gift. That that's different than, than saying, okay, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to demand of you some kind of forced gratitude because that's impacting the way we show up. Now, again, you're, we're bringing this back to this, this conversation about seeing this moment where you wonder, is this woman going to even have another mother's day? And when those feelings well up, because you're feeling her story in you, can we say that we're not going to stop the passage of time? It is what it is. This could be this woman's last Mother's Day. So how do we embrace the fact that we're living in this experience, be grateful for it, acknowledge that impermanence is part of living. And when we love those within our, our circles, we will lose them someday. And that will be painful and yet we're trying to bring it back to gratitude. See, this is a somebody out there right now thinking, okay, you're this sounds very like a Buddhist teaching, and it is. But when you are deconstructing from a high control religion where only you have been taught things in that silos of religion, we miss the wisdom that's out there and available to us. And when our focus has been, I cannot be sad for those in my life who have died because I'm supposed to be happy that they're with Jesus in this belief system, then I'm denying a part of my human experience. And now I'm awakening to the fact that I get to acknowledge my sorrow because I carry it with me. And that sorrow then becomes a place when I acknowledge it and show that it's part of who I am, where gratitude can live. So do you see, it's a blending. So when we talk about grief and sadness and sorrow, that that's part of this ebbing and flowing, it's how we start to bring in the, the, the stories, those things that were meaningful, the love that you shared, where gratitude can ebb and flow in there because that's where it belongs. It doesn't belong in the part of us that controls our feelings and our emotions and our spirituality. It belongs in our story. And we get to say where those pockets are. So more than likely, again, if you your religious heritage, you could have heard, Jesus died for you. You have everything to be grateful for. And if you were exposed to this teaching, you understand that there's an obligation to minimize your human experience because the belief is that nothing is more important than to stay in a perpetual state of gratitude for something that you didn't ask to have happen, but it did. And that you can't question, question whether it even happened because this whole thing about atonement theology, that's a whole other thing that we could do a, a whole teaching about. And if you want me to email me and I will info at revcarla.com. But when we release that and understand that uh, gratitude is for us to find and define, we have more control over our lives and what we are to be grateful for 
and what we are sad about and what we are angry about and what our regrets are, we get to be the keeper of our story, not someone on the outside. And we do that when we recognize that a woman sitting in a wheelchair has something to teach us about loving and living and dying and impermanence and suffering and gratitude. Because it's not about a Buddhist concept. It's about the human concept of what, what it means for us. So when we accept this impermanence and move towards gratitude, we start to see that we have this wisdom in the sacred moments, like holding this space for an old woman to share her story. I don't, I didn't need to know anything about her. I didn't know her beliefs. I didn't know anything. I just knew that I wanted to be in that moment with her because her time is passing and it was a beautiful event, but that same passing is happening to all of us. There is no escaping it. So how do we begin to have a different relationship with gratitude and grief and sorrow? How do we, how do we begin to reclaim that and redefine it for us? Well, the first thing, and I named five things in the blog, embrace impermanence and appreciate the present. So impermanence is not even a concept that we're often taught, except for, especially for those who are of us who are indoctrinated in end times theology and everything from the raging forest fires to the hurricanes, everything pointed to the time that God was returning and the rapture was going to happen. If that's still your belief system, that's fine. It's no longer mine. I deconstructed from that. So you don't hear anything about impermanence, but it really is about accepting our impermanence and, and staying present for the moment and how that can help us cultivate gratitude with each breath, each sunrise, each interaction, knowing that that soon will pass. And then it also helps us shift our focus from, from lack of things to abundance so this allows us to see that this mindset that we have that where we sometimes we focus on what we don't have, we can then turn to start looking at appreciate the things that we do have. And if we want to turn that into a teaching about Jesus, Jesus taught that gratitude should be expressed in all circumstances and all things give thanks is what Paul wrote. And the feeding of the 5,000 Matthew in Matthew 14, Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fish and somehow fed a multitude of people. Or so the story goes. And before performing this, he gave thanks. So this, this is the kind of thing where the, the story is about the thanks, about the gratitude. Practice a mindful reflection. So using mindfulness to sit like I did with that story of the woman and saying, I can't let this go. I'm going to honor her because her story will bless someone else and expressing it freely. I wrote the Buddha emphasized the importance of expressing gratitude and appreciation. So share that with others. And it doesn't have to be anything forced. It doesn't have to be anything where you have to compromise your boundaries by doing that. Because, you know, I talk about boundaries a lot, and this is not about redoing those boundaries or ignoring them. And it's also not about re restoring of relationships that are harmful to you. But someone out there would benefit from hearing from you in a kind way. And that can be somebody that you met at the grocery store or somebody who helped you. 
because there is a fundamental shift inside us when we show kindness and gratitude towards someone else. It's a true shift in you that can help you. So like I said, Jesus taught uh, gratitude and you can read about that in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the widow's offering in Mark 12. Mark 12. And it's important that we understand that we can be transformed. Our spirituality can be enrich, enriched when we change our relationship with gratitude because we know that suffering and impermanence are an inevitable part of our lives. But when we embrace it, we can transform our relationship with suffering. We know that it will come. If we choose not to dwell on the, the pain, that doesn't mean we don't acknowledge it, but we're moving through it. There might be a time where we're parked there while we're experiencing it and dealing with it, but then we're moving through it to find solace and growth. And that's how we honor the lives of those who are no longer here. Rumi, and I've spoken about him in several podcasts re recently, wrote, thankfulness brings you to the place where the beloved lives. And the beloved was a word that he had for God. You know, he was a mystical teacher. So he wrote in those kinds of expansive language that gave you permission to find your relationship, your definition with God. So thankfulness brings you to the, the place where the beloved lives. So living with gratitude is this transformative practice that nourishes our soul. So you can do this through cultivating gratitude, appreciation for impermanence, acknowledging our interconnectedness, just like I was holding space with that woman in the wheelchair at the nursing home. Gratitude is an antidote to sadness. It doesn't mean the sadness will go away, but it gives it perspective. It softens the edges when you're ready. I mean that intentionally because sometimes the pain is so raw. It takes, it takes a beat. It takes a minute. There's, there's no timing in here. There's no judgment, whatever it is that we're working through. And then when we get really good at that, gratitude then can become a practice, a way of life, a way for us to just pause and be present for those, because that gives us an opportunity for growth, for learning, for developing insight to help us strengthen our spiritual fortitude to be more present, to be more mindful. It's always about showing up in our lives, a better version of ourselves. This is also something that just came up for me. It's also the ability for us to see the place where we just simply cannot move forward because we can't accept impermanence because of a certain situation that just rocked our worlds, then it might be time for some intervention, whether that's through spiritual counseling, support group, a licensed mental health professional, or a combination of all of those. It is absolutely okay to seek help, dear one. It is absolutely sacred to do that. Thank you for listening. Beloved, you can watch the uncut version of today's episode on my YouTube channel. 
Spirituality Matters with Rev. Carla. I also want to say that I go in deeper talking about gratitude in Thanksgiving because that's another time where we really need to pay attention to how we feel about gratitude. You can always connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok and at my website at RevCarla.com. Be sure to check back there regularly because we're adding information about my memberships and my live teachings. I'm so honored to be in this space with you. Go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I'll see you soon.